Life Over Coffee podcast. I am Rick Thomas, and this is the podcast where we deal with topics that pertain to life and godliness. This is episode 131, and I'm going to be doing an interview today. I have Daniel Berger, Dr. Daniel Berger, sitting in my office. He just finished another book. The title of this book is The Insanity of Madness, Defining Mental Illness. This book is relevant to you. It's relevant to the Christian community, and I hope to God that he will use this book uh, in our secular culture as well. I've read this book. It is fabulous. I recommend it, and I want to talk to Daniel about it so that he can explain himself. Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rick. All right, so you have a book here, The Insanity of Madness, Defining Mental Illness. So before we get into the meat of this book, I want you to walk me through the title. There's a play on words here in the insanity of madness. Why the play on words? Uh, well, um, as I wrote the five book series on mental illness, uh, one of the things that kept coming up was the most prominent uh, secular psychiatrist uh, essentially saying that mental illness could not be objectively defined and that it was relative, that it's a subjective concept. And yet I know uh, very well that there are millions of people being labeled as, as mentally ill in a, an objective way, a life-changing way. Um, and so that, that was the first logical fallacy that I came across. And then I started uh, realizing that they're suggesting in an objective way that uh, there's a specific cause and a specific remedy that they dogmatically claim, yet if there's no objective definition of mental illness, then uh, we really can't uh, objectively say what causes what we don't know and, and what remedies what we don't know. So this is essential to the, to the topic at hand. So you're saying uh, madness is the topic, and the way that the large part of our culture thinks about madness is insane, and so that's what you mean by yes. And and as I develop uh, a historical uh, definition, both from secularism and scripture, uh, of what madness is, it starts making sense of what what the insanity of madness is. Um, so it's not just a play on words; it, it it actually begins to to make sense once you realize the definition within the book. All right, so give me some uh, synonyms for madness. Uh, biblical, I want give me two categories: biblical synonyms for madness, and then some uh, secular words, just to help us to understand what madness is. So you would say biblically, madness is a good descriptor, correct? Yes, that that is the historic uh, uh, concept, and of course. As uh, if you read any historians of psychiatry, they they talk about madness. Um, it wasn't until the late 1800s with Emil Kraepelin, who I've mentioned on on uh, interviews before, who changed the whole concept to what we call mental illness uh, today. So that's the secular term. Give that, me another biblical word for madness, just to well, uh, in the New Testament, the word that's used is mania, where seculars get their word manic, uh, such as in the bipolar construct, um, uh, manic or mania. Uh, for example, in John 10, uh, verses 20 through 21, uh, the Jews say to Christ that he is either manic, uh, crazy, he's, he's mad, or demonically possessed. Uh, another example of that is in Acts 26, where, where uh, Festus accuses Paul of being manic. And in that text, it's very interesting because uh, 
uh, Paul actually uh, responds, he rebuttals this accusation and, and gives a definition, the antithesis of madness, which is, he says, no, I have the truth, and I'm thinking in rational terms, uh, and I'm convinced of this. So he actually describes and defines what, what mania is, what it means to be manic, what he's being accused of by, by giving the opposite, which is truth. Uh, another example is in Acts chapter 12, where, where the servant girl, they're, they're praying in the early church for uh, Peter to be released from prison. And Peter, of course, shows up and the servant girl goes and tells the people and they, they accuse her of being manic, mad, or uh, hallucinating, which is a really fascinating thing that, that she's seeing a, a, um, a phantom, if you would, or an angel. And so you have three cases where uh, in Scripture uh, the word mania represents this concept of madness, and of course it goes into the, the Old Testament as well. Okay, so madness, biblically speaking, would be the best word. What about so secular? What are the words that they use? The, the most common today, obviously, mental illness is an overarching idea. Is that the big basket word? Yeah, and, and it's, it's become more than madness, which we'll probably get to in, in, in this interview, I'm sure. But um, it's, it's gone beyond what uh, the historical definition is. Um, so I point that out in this book. But psychosis is the most common uh, concept that uh, psychiatry and, and humanistic psychology have uh, today. Uh, that represents this idea. And that word simply means uh, a condition of the soul, which is really uh, an interesting uh, definition in itself. Um, so psychosis is, is uh, when people talk about psychosis, specifically delusions and hallucinations are the two uh, main components. There's others like word salad, where, where speech gets jumbled, and catatonia, which is basically your body, you don't, you don't want to do anything, or there's variances of this. But I was like that this morning when yeah, I woke up. <laughs> I was going to say before coffee, right? But um, This is Dr. Daniel Berger. He's written a book called The Insanity of Madness, Defining Mental Illness. And we're going to have a giveaway, Daniel. Thank you. He's, he's giving me five books here, and so we're going to have a drawing. I, have, I will have a link in the show notes where you can enter this contest. There's no catch. You just enter the contest. Say, I want to enter. I would like to win one of these five books, and it's possible that you could win, but they, they will be in the show notes, episode number 131, my interview with Daniel Berger. All right, so you say they call it mental illness. You call it madness. It is real, and so what they are are seeing or observing is real. It's just that their approach to it and how they label it is not Correct. right. Yeah. All right. So physical and spiritual. Uh, let's talk about both of those, because what what does madness encompass? Now, I assume that it encompasses both physical and spiritual problems. Is that correct? Uh, it, it, it does. However, um, I, I guess really backing up and giving the clear definition, because I don't think I've, I've done that yet, um, and and I, I should also note that as you as you read this book, you'll see this. But the the vast majority, in fact, the most prominent historians of madness say that the best definition, the best understanding, the oldest understanding of madness begins in Scripture. So we have to go back to Scripture, even even if you uh, buy into the secular construct of mental illness. In order to fully understand it, it has to begin in in Scripture. And in the Old Testament, for example, you have, you have numerous uh, cases where it's used 
Um, uh, for uh, just as one example, King Jehua, a prophet, comes to him and gives the truth of God, and he says, "Did you did you hear what this madman has said?" Um, and it's it's essentially a denial of truth from Old Testament to New Testament, and this is true as well in in the DSN five. Uh, specifically, if we go to psychosis, uh, delusions and hallucinations. So delusions are false, fixed beliefs, despite clear evidence, and in, in spite of what society basically says is true. And so you have you have uh, a false belief there. Hallucinations are false sensory perceptions. So falsehood is the core component both in madness and in mental illness. So that's the spiritual issue. Yeah, that can be fixed. Correct. Um, and, and these are not separate issues. So, for example, in gender dysphoria, the false belief is that the body is, is a different gender than it actually is. Now, uh, seculars have decided to focus on the, the uh, dysphoria, which means not to be content you know, with, with the situation, versus the delusion. In an obsessive-compulsive disorder, it's uh, the false belief that you can repeat behavior and change outcomes not related to that behavior. So you, you've actually got a, uh, a multiple uh, different delusions that are categorized as different mental illnesses. And it's really fascinating to go through and, and start to see that the vast majority of these constructs have false beliefs or false sensory perceptions as the key or, or core component, just the, the type of, of delusion is uh, how people are labeled. So false truth is the hub, and then what comes out of that hub are, are many different manifestations. Correct. Yep. Yep. Interesting. All right, what? Where's this? Does the physical fit within this idea of madness? Well, uh, as as a side note, the um, there are several uh, constructs in the DSM five, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, uh, which is psychiatry's uh, you know Bible, if you would. Uh, that should not be in there that are actually physical or neurological problems such as uh, uh, Alzheimer's and autism, uh, dementia that we've mentioned even even in interviews before. But I just want, you know, I think it's important to reiterate that. But hallucinations, for example, are, uh, they relate to the senses. And most people think of hallucinations as an abnormality when in fact we actually hallucinate all the time. It's part of our human nature. Uh, if you study neuroscience, they, they have concluded that we, we are constantly hallucinating what we see and what we perceive. Um, they do sensory deprivation studies with people within two days, almost 80% of all people start seeing vivid images that they can't distinguish from, from reality. It's a fascinating study or, or, or our phones vibrate in our pockets. And then we realize we don't have our phones with us. Um, that, those are all sensory hallucinations and you're real, aren't you? Yes. I'm, I'm uh, looking at uh, as far as I know. <laughs> so uh, as a, a, a case in point here, uh, Duke university, uh, just published a study study in 2016 in, in accordance with, with uh, University of London. And it's a fascinating study where they told people to lie. And so they go out and lie. The more they lied, the more they began to believe the lie, and they lied above what they were told to lie. But they were actually doing brain scans on all these people, and there was a direct correlation between their lying and the atrophying of their brain. 
So we know in, even in scientific research that when, when deceit is central to the heart, it affects even the physical nature. And so I believe hallucinations are a byproduct of a heart that is deceived above all things. Which, it would be interesting to do a study of Hitler's brain. Uh, as he said, you tell a lie big enough, long enough, yeah. that people will start to believe it. Well, he, he was believing it himself. We see that in counseling all the time with the hardened conscience yep. as we suppress the truth, as Paul talked about in Romans 1, and the more that we press the truth out of our lives, there is a revenge or there's That's this right. reaction that happens on our conscience to where we become dull, to where we can exchange the truth for a lie, as he talked about in that passage. Is yes. that correct? Is yes. that what you're saying? Yeah, and, and Romans 1 is a passage I do uh, talk about specifically. Um, Jeremiah 17, 9, I think, is a key verse to understand even, even uh, the whole concept of mental illness. We're talking about the mind here. And, and of course, so many people have, have bought into the delusion of, of the brain dysfunction theory that they miss that it's the mind we're talking about. It's mental illness. So one of those has to be a metaphor. Scripture uses uh, the metaphor uh, of the, the speaking of the heart. So Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all other things. And in Hebrew, it says incurably sick. So there's, there's actually our mental illness, that our spiritual hearts are so deceived. And this is everyone. Madness, madness is our, our condition after the fall. Um, it is, it is uh, not an abnormality, the deceit that is in our hearts that is, is so destructive. And I, I will say this is fascinating because both Scripture and secular psychiatry understands that deceit is destructive, that it is incredibly destructive. And in fact, suicide and suicidal ideation are reflected, you know, as thought processes in most of these constructs because deceit leads us to death. So you're saying that everybody's mad to a degree. Absolutely. So it's so, a part of our fallen nature package that we get at birth. That's right. We are all and the way I like to say it is we are all disordered, not some. So the Bible doesn't stigmatize some people. It 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 clearly shows that we're all deceived, and of course, God's truth is what sets us free. So if I get a t-shirt that says, I have a disorder, it would be accurate. Absolutely. Uh, do you struggle with the term mental illness? Is that the best descriptor? Um, I do struggle with it because I know <laughs> I know too much history. Um, uh, it, it was a concept, again, invented by Emil Kreplin. Um, it, it, if you study any historian of, of psychiatry, uh, he and by the way, our system today is Kreplinian. Uh, today's mental health system is Kreplinian, and this is the system that uh, Emil Kreplin invented the idea of schizophrenia and bipolar. So before that, it was called madness. Um, he invented the idea of of these two disease concepts, which created the idea of mental illness. And really, it's dis deceitful. If you go to the DSM-5 now, they, they talk about what's called the dimensional approach. And they specifically say there in the DSM-5 that, that, and they call it, again, the dimensional approach, uh, that there are the, the borders between these disorders are more porous than originally perceived. And so you have, you have them going back to what's called a unitary psychosis. There's only one type of deceit, and it manifests itself in different ways. And you have numerous uh, seculars even realizing now we're only talking about one type of madness. We're not talking about all these alleged diseases. And so I don't, I don't, 
have a problem. I mean, Scripture first gives the metaphoric idea of mental illness, that our hearts are deceived. If you were to walk it back with uh, someone, they say, I have a mental illness, would you walk it back to the word madness or... No, to, I to, to get them into a biblical framework. Yeah, I don't think we even need to to conf- you know I don't go through the the history uh, with people who are struggling with what seculars call psychosis. Um, I specifically uh, I, I will will walk them through the exact criteria in the DSM five um, because that that is what their label and that's what their trust has been put into. Um, uh, I've talked to numerous people just recently who have been labeled for various reasons as having some type of psychotic disorder. Uh, one in particular, um, uh, and, and I just walk, him, walk them through that specific diagnosis that, that they're given to, um, and that helps them to see that these behaviors are addressed in Scripture, and then it starts making sense uh, to them that, okay, now I have two different ways of interpreting these mindsets, behaviors, and emotions. So it's better to have a conversation with them and not go word police on them uh, to try to correct their language. Let's just sit down and talk and yeah. and use their starting point. That's right. That's if they right. have a disorder, if they have a mental illness, it's fine as far as that goes as long as you can have a conversation and eventually you can get them back into a biblical framework regardless of the word or the words that they use. That's right. So I, I specifically focus on uh, Genesis 3, who who are we as people? And when they start seeing that we're all disordered, that we all, I mean, it, it, again, I think it's, it's important. Uh, if we were to follow the DSM-5, the secular terms of mental illness, all of us would fall into at least one, if not multiple, uh, disorders because we're all deceived. Um, and when they start seeing this and they start seeing that they're not abnormal, this is part of the deceit that, that Satan has has created uh, by thinking that, that, that we're alone and that something's wrong with us. Uh, it happens with our children, right? We look at them and we immediately start saying something. Something's not right. <laughs> well, it's not. It's not right with all of us. And you know, when they start realizing that we're all broken from Genesis chapter three until till finally we see Christ face to face. When when they see, and it's not just all sin. A lot of it's actual fragility uh, that we're weak and we're not meant to. Um, we're not meant to, uh, you know, be in this world apart from Christ. I am talking with Dr. Daniel Berger. You can reach Dr. Daniel Berger at his website, drdrdanielberger.com. He has a lot of other books as well. He is prolific. I would highly recommend his five books on mental illness. If you want to do a deep dive into mental illness, he has some excellent material. Those five books, he has ADHD as well. What other books do you have? You have those five, ADHD, this book here that we're talking about, The Insanity of Madness. Uh, Teaching a Child to Pay Attention. And I'm currently working on a book on depression as well as uh, a case study of Frederick Nietzsche. And so you can reach him at drdanielberger.com. Go to his website. I have a link here in episode 131. That will get you out to his website. Speaking of depression, Daniel, uh, what about these words, anxiety, depression, fear? How do they fit into the mental illness construct? What about autism? I've given you several here. Yeah. So um, because deceit is the central component of madness, what we consider to be true 
is in- incredibly important. So the, the objective definition of truth determines what is false. And wouldn't you know it, the secularists believe in, in relativism or, or you know, the, the whole idea, uh, going back to Friedrich Nietzsche, that there are no absolute truths. Of course, that's an absurdity. That's a, an insanity itself. Um, but what they've done is to say that truth is, is relative. If there's no truth, though, there's no falsehood. So there can't be madness. And so all of this is determined on, on what is true. So within with in their anthropology, anything that doesn't fit into evolutionary theory has to be determined as an abnormality. Otherwise, it destroys the whole concept of evolution. So depression and anxiety, post-traumatic stress, for example, uh, one of the articles that, that um, uh, you were gracious enough to, to post on post-traumatic stress kind of points this out, that these are not abnormalities. These are part of our human condition. But because they don't fit into evolutionary theory, uh, we we tend to think of them as mental illness or abnormality when in fact that's who we are. Uh, we're all anxious. We're, in fact, if you think about the realities in your life long enough, you'll become anxious. Oh, yeah. And that's why it's so important to have Christ as, as that, that, that supernatural uh, change agent that we can give over. I mean, it says that, that uh, it passes our human understanding what he can do with us in Philippians chapter four, uh, anxiety specifically. Um, so, depression, anxiety, a lot of what we're calling mental illness is is not deceit, although uh, if you read the DSM-5, they point out a lot, there is a lot of deceit even in these constructs, uh, because we're deceived. Um, but these are, these are uh, called mental illnesses because they don't fit into evolutionary theory, and the only way, so, so madness, if you would, has become a, a non-human, almost like a monster-type um, uh, a category where anything that doesn't make sense within their secular thinking can be just lumped over into this this category. Any s- impairment or distress is that how they get their disorders? If it doesn't fit within the evolutionary construct, yes, then it becomes a disorder. It, it actually says this multiple times in the DSM five that um, mental illness specifically has what's called. Uh, 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 subjective distress or significant clinical impairment. So any human impairment that is ongoing, and that's the second criteria that uh, Dr. Bob Spitzer uh, came up with, any impairment, distress, or, or uh, trial, if you would, that uh, causes uh, impairment, distress, physically or mentally, emotionally, etc., all of that is lumped into this this category of it's a it's a convenient category. So instead of helping people through these, they just lump them and either take them to uh, psychotherapy or uh, drug them. Uh, this sounds confusing. So uh, evolutionary theory is going from monkey to man, and we're getting better and better and better. And so anything that doesn't fit into getting better and better and better, like anxiety, worry, so forth, then that's not within that trajectory. Therefore, it's a disorder. Is that correct? Right. All right. So, but then who defines what is better? Well, and that's and that's where this, so part of the insanity of madness who's is... The, who's the optimal, perfect man? Right. The, the World Health Organization defines mental health 
as essentially perfection. And of course, uh, many Did prominent they say Jesus or they got somebody no. Else they they of course deny <laughs> deny Jesus. We we understand that we're all disordered because He is the standard of normalcy. But that's that's part of this whole uh, insanity of madness is that not only do they say alleged, and I say alleged because I don't believe it's an abnormality, but they say alleged abnormalities cannot be objectively defined. They also insist that normalcy, which obviously you can't have a deviance if there's no standard, they say normalcy cannot be defined as well. That's why I was saying this is confusing to me. I wasn't implying that you were confusing I was saying that going from man to monkey is evolutionary theory, but then when you get to the man, what is the perfect man? But they don't have that's and see, and that's that's so subjective, right? So, so they what that allows them to do is have this imprecise and fluid idea of anthropology. It's a moving target. It's a moving target, and and you can't have a, a real conversation because it would undermine everything that they're they're presenting. And, and that's one of the points that I think we have to understand is this all goes back to what is what does normalcy look like? If we accept what Christ says, then we're all mentally ill in the metaphoric sense of Jeremiah 17, 9. And uh, I, that is a really key component to, so to this entire book. Which DSM 6, 7, or 8, will they declare Christianity as a disorder because that does not fit within this evolutionary theory because this perfect man that nobody can define, well, we do know this, Christianity is not going to be part of that perfect person. So at some point, Christianity is going to be a disorder. Well, uh, as I point out in the book, they're already um, uh, saying Christ and many of the apostles were mentally ill, that Christ was bipolar, that he... Uh, you know, suicide by proxy. Oh, wait, yeah, was, you said that. So that's two thousand years ago. They've already. They've yeah. Already, they, they in in retrospect, they're diagnosing him as uh, you know, and and showing that. Well, even men, they said that. I mean, this man's mad. Right. Right. Even even in in scripture, but I'm saying psychiatrists right, today. Right. right. Um, I uh, there's several psychiatric journals that I quote. Um, but there's there's an interesting thing about delusions in the DSM five. It's, it's called the uh, social axiom. And essentially, it, it is the point that if enough people or the majority, uh, it's also called u- unit- um, uh, utilitarianism, where, where the majority uh, decide what is true. And, and again, it's not objective, but the majority allegedly decide what is true. And so they've convinced us that mass groups of people cannot actually be mentally ill with this social axiom listed in the DSM-5. And they specifically say that religions such as Christianity are not mental illnesses because there's so many people that believe in it. And well, amen. Once, well, but once that's removed, right. and uh, in, our, in our culture today, I mean, you, you read an article, gun control, for example, um, they'll, the article will say the vast majority of people believe this way because this, this is a central component to secularism, utilitarianism. Uh, but you read another one and it's the exact opposite. So whoever has the most authority and the most people becomes the, the controller of both madness and normalcy. And that's what's, that's, what's really, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's we're already seeing uh, people call Mike Pence, for example, right. mentally ill because right. anyone's beliefs that we don't agree with, delusions are false, fixed beliefs. So when we don't believe 
that they're in their right mind, right? <laughs> right? Um, we can immediately uh, label them and stigmatize them and set them aside. And that's this social control aspect um, that that is is been a part since Emil Kreplin framed this and diagnosed the Jews as schizophrenic. Totally sobering, scary. If you're not careful, not guarding your heart. I'm talking with Dr. Daniel Berger. His book is The Insanity of Madness. I'm going to give five of these away. Thank you, Dr. Dan. We'll give five of these away. You can click on that in the show notes, episode 131. You can find him at drdanielberger.com. Daniel, we have just a couple of minutes left. Give me some hope, a person who's struggling with fear, anxiety, or whatever, however that manifests in their life, however their madness, since we're all mad, however their madness manifests in their life, what is the hope from a biblical sufficiency perspective? Well, in in regard to, I mean, let's take the, the, the elephant in the room, if you would, psychosis. It seems to be one of the most puzzling uh, concepts to to people in our day and age. And even psychosis is clearly answered in Scripture. So, for example, uh, the first episode of psychosis is actually Satan. And Satan was a, Satan was, uh, you know, someone who looked at himself as equal with God. And that's called grandiose delusions or delusions of grandeur. And then it's shared in in Genesis chapter 3, um, the, the exact same uh, uh, lie, if you would, the same madness that Satan presented to Adam and Eve. And so we have we have two cases, the, the oldest historic uh, cases in in Scripture mentioned in Genesis chapter three. Thank you, Dr. Daniel, for this interview. If you want to talk more to Dr. Berger, please go to episode one hundred and thirty-one. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.